the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, not only I, but also all those who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and in love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Well, that's why this reading in God's word. Let's look to our God and seek his help and blessing upon our study. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we praise you that you are the builder of your house and your scripture says you adorn your house with holiness. And so sanctify your church by the truth. Your word is truth. And pray that as a result, a fruit of love and obedience will spring up more and more to the praise and glory of our Savior. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Well, for two weeks, two weeks in a row, I begin with a quote by J. Gresham Machen, who says of the writings of John, the Christian fellowship is steadfastly devoted to the truth and is filled with a warm glow of Christian love. The church is characterized by both truth and love. The two are intricately related to each other and inseparably joined together in any real genuine Christian fellowship. Sound doctrine in the Lord produces zealous devotion to the Lord and to one another, so we love one another in the truth, and truth in turn defines our love for one another. And the opening verses of John's second letter show us the abundance of truth and love expressing themselves in the church. John here writing as the elder to a local congregation that is personified as the woman, the chosen elect lady, and all her members conceived as her offspring, John is addressing, just like any other congregation, we can discern with our own eyes. And incidentally, that description of the church as the elect lady and her members as her offspring remind us that we as God's children are all children of Zion. As the Apostle Paul says, In Galatians chapter 4, the Jerusalem that is above, the church, is our spiritual mother. The church is the environment in which believers are born and nurtured unto maturity. The church is the environment 
God has appointed where true spiritual growth can take place apart from and outside of the church, true spiritual growth cannot occur ultimately because it's only in the church that believers can grow in the Lord in a meaningful way until they reach the full stature of Jesus Christ in fellowship with one another. Well, in that community, John says there is a bond of love and fellowship that exists because, as he says in verse 2, of the truth that abides in us and the truth that will be with us forever. Any genuine bonds of Christian fellowship is all because of the truth that dwells in the believer and is with the believer forever. And the saints of the Lord, definitionally, those who love the truth, uh, love one another. John says in verse 2 and 3, uh, 1 through 3, uh, all those who love know the truth, love one another in truth. It's not just John as an elder, love the children of the elect lady in truth, but John says all those who know the truth uh, love one another in truth. And notice how verse 3, even the gospel benediction you hear at the end of the service, grace, mercy, and peace from the Father and the Son, even the blessings of the gospel come into our possession and into our enjoyment because of love and truth. That is, as it is as the gospel truth that sheds abroad in our hearts the love of God. It is as the truth is minister that we truly come to enjoy the grace, mercy, and peace that come from God and the Son. And these things will be increasingly multiplied to us in our life and in our fellowship as uh, truth and love abound in the congregation. Well, nothing gave more joy to John as the elder than to see some of the members, as he says in verse 4, walking in the truth and children loving one another in the truth. And I simply want to ask the question, what does that look like in our tangible experience and what does that look like in any fellowship and in any congregational setting? What does it look like for you and for us to walk in the truth, love one another in the truth, and as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, truthing in love? Now, these are, of course, such radically countercultural notions. This world we live in thinks of love as a, largely a matter of emotion in terms of how one feels. Love is defined by emotions, not by any settled conviction or disposition. And similarly, truth in this world is viewed as a matter of intuition in terms of one's own view of the matter. All that matters is how one views and sees and not any kind of objective standard. Well, not so in the new humanity. And I want to simply consider what it means to be walking in the truth and loving one another in the truth in the church. What well, three thoughts I want to set before you gathered in the three alliterative rhyming words, uh, commissional, confessional, and congregational or congenial. It is commissional, that is, it is dependent upon and defined by the Great Commission that lays down upon the church all the commandments of Jesus for our keeping. And John says, love is that commission being fulfilled in the lives of God's people expressed in their obedience to Christ's commandment. That's the first thing I want to consider, how loving in the truth and truthing love in love is, in a sense, commissional. It's commandment-dependent and defined. And then secondly, it is confessional. That is, it's within the bounds of the body of truth and the pattern of sound word entrusted to the church. 
Love is expressed in a system of doctrine that the church is told to guard, the most holy faith once delivered to the saints. Love is to be expressed in the truth, in other words, within those bounds of orthodoxy. And then finally, I want you to see how uh, walking in the truth and uh, loving in the truth uh, is a congregational or congenial thing that is concretely in relationships, in person, meaningful context with one another in the body of believers. Well, if those three words are, are not really helpful, then at least um, uh, it, let its substance and content build you up this morning. Maybe they seem forceful, maybe they're helpful, but that's the heading that I set before you. Uh, first of all, walking in the truth, loving in truth, is entirely dependent on and defined by keeping the commandments. Now, how do you love one another in the church, in the truth? And what's the best thing you can tangibly do in order to your fellow brothers and sisters in this congregation, what is the best thing you can do day to day as you seek to love one another? And John says here that it is that you walk in obedience to the Lord Jesus, that you walk according to his commandments. Uh, Verse 6, he says, this is love, that we walk, we frame our lives according to his commandments, that you observe all that Christ has commanded Uh, as the Great Commission mandates the church to do. And that commandment, um, John says, is nothing new. It's been from the beginning. You've known it all along. The summation and fulfillment of God's law is that we love one another. And there is this um, almost a circular way of thinking. Loving one another is expressed in your keeping the Ten Commandments. And the summation of all the Ten Commandments say to you, you shall love one another. And that tells us that our disobedience to Christ's commandment and our sin in whatever area of our life that may be hidden from one another is never an individual matter, but within the body of Christ, we affect the whole fellowship. When we sin, we fail to love our brothers and sisters. And when we do not keep God's commandments, it is a failure of brotherly love. It may not be appeared, it may not appear to be so, but John says that is so that uh, John says, verse 5, I ask you, dear lady, this is a charge to the church, that you keep this commandment, the new commandment that's been from the beginning, that you love one another. So that's the first thing I want to consider. What does it mean for you to be walking in the truth and loving one another in the truth? But the most tangible thing, the most fundamental thing you can do as Christian believers is that you keep the commandments and you seek to love one another in the truth by your obedience to Jesus Christ. Oh, may God increase our love for one another, so fulfill the law of Christ. And as we keep the commandments, may we always have not just our blessedness, but also the well-being of the whole body to which we belong in mind. Listen to John chapter 14. Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him, so that if anyone loves me and anyone keeps my word, my Father will love him, so we will come to him and make our home with him. There's such blessedness promised to obedient Christian believers, and that's not just an individual matter that is a promise given to a whole congregation. So that's what it means for us to love one another, brothers and sisters. You keep 
his commandments. This is love. We walk according to his commandments. But then secondly, I want you to see how walking in the truth and loving one another in the truth is also uh, confessional. That is, uh, it is to be defined by a body of truth. Look down in verses 7 through 10. John's concern is with those who do not confess the gospel truth concerning Jesus Christ, who does not continue and abide in the teaching of Christ. Well, that tells us that there's such premium placed for the well-being of the church on a public, written, definable confession of faith that sets the boundaries of orthodoxy outside of which one cannot and does not belong to God. And if there are those who transgress the doctrinal boundary of Christianity, not so much in ignorance, but really in defiance, if there are those who actively seek to promote them, those false doctrines, you can be assured, John says, that that person is of the devil. Notice the way he describes the uh, false teachers and those who do not share the confession of Christ. Verse 7, such a one, John says, is the deceiver and the antichrist. Just like his spiritual progenitor, Satan himself, those who do not abide in the confession of Christ, John says, is a deceiver and an antichrist. That's a reminder to you again and again as believers that truth is never a neutral matter. Truth must be guarded severely and firmly because the souls of men are at stake. By false teaching, one may be led astray, and the end result, if not kept in check, is what John says in verse 8. You may lose what we have worked for if you are led astray by false teaching. Now, we saw last week in 3 John how the Apostle John says we are to support people who labor in the word and so seek to be fellow workers for the truth. He said, for the example of Gaius, Gaius extended hospitality. He helped and refreshed and entertained even strangers because they were brothers laboring in the gospel. Hospitality is an expression of Christian love. But here, John, in his second letter, lays down the qualification and says, being nice to people is not the same thing as being loving. Love is to be in the truth. The dividing line is clear. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, if anyone does not confess the same Jesus Christ as you do, if anyone does not abide in the teaching of Christ, the same truth that we confess, if there are those who seek to promote that wicked nonsense that transgress the boundaries of orthodoxy, those confessional boundaries, then John says, do not extend hospitality or greetings to such people. In fact, having such people into your home is equivalent to taking part in his wicked works. Again, that's a countercultural idea. But John says, love is confessional. It is to be defined and uh, bounded by the uh, body of truth that has been handed down to the church. So love is commandment-dependent, and second, love is confessionally defined. And finally, I want you to see how loving in the truth is a congregational matter as well. It involves uh, relationships. It is in the context of the body, and therefore it is congenial in nature in terms of our affections being expressed tangibly and so forth. And that comes through, if you look in verses 12 and 13, in two ways. Look down in verse 12 first. Just like the ending of John's third letter, 
John highlights this dimension of in-person, face-to-face fellowship. John says, I have much to write to you, but I decidedly prefer personal contact over pen and paper. I want to speak to you face-to-face. The Greek uh, for face-to-face is literally mouth-to-mouth. John says, I want to speak and converse with you, not screen-to-screen, but mouth-to-mouth, not by text, but in person. And that's the way to foster any meaningful fellowship of love. And as much as it lies upon you, that is the decidedly decided preference for the saints who seeks to walk in love. But at the same time, look in verse 13, this expression of love and fellowship is extended even beyond the local body. Verse 13, John closes his letter by conveying the greetings. The children of your elect sister greet you. The children of your elect sister, your sister congregation, members of the sister church in another location uh, greet you. What a marvelous reminder this is of the unity of the body and the fellowship of the saints that know no bounds of time and geography. The love of the saints indeed has no barriers or bounds of time and space. And so first, uh, third John concludes with these words of greetings. Or second John rather concludes with these great words of greetings and we saw, if you remember last week, how Third John uh, concludes with greetings expressed among friends. The saints who belong to the Lord share friendship. They are friends in the Lord because God has made them his friends. Well, here in Second John, we are uh, seen to be brothers and sisters in one family. We are, as it were, of truly family with all those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus in truth. And so loving in the truth is truly a congregational matter at any level, locally and even beyond the boundary of the local congregation. There is a fellowship of love that extends in the gospel. So that's the gospel window into the life of Christian fellowship in truth and love. So may these things increasingly define our own congregation. Let us love one another, brothers and sisters, by walking in God's commandments. Let us keep clear the doctrinal boundaries within which our brotherly love is to be shown. And let us maximize every opportunity and not shy away from any opportunity both to your own and to others' great loss in the fellowship. The opportunity to be with one another in person, to speak with each other of the things of the Lord and to build up and encourage one another with the truth of the gospel. May God help us to conform our life and practice according to his revealed will in his holy word. Let's pray together.